So, good morning. Hola, buenos dias. So, we are not, that testimony was not then we're going to slap you if you're trying to speak in tongues. Okay, that's not what the point of that testimony is, all right? It's just that, that you have to, you have to, you know, sometimes disengage your brain in a certain way. And we've talked the first Sunday, this is the third in the series, the first Sunday we talked about in order to receive something incomprehensible like grace and salvation, we have to receive it by our spirit, and then our spirit informs our mind, okay? In the same way, to receive tongues, we receive it through our spirit. It lands in the muscle called our brain, and then our brain, our brain, our muscle, our, our brain, not our mind, our brain doesn't get in the way. If our mind won't get in the way, it circumvents our mind. It drops into where it uses the vocal cord. Am I too loud? Stevie disagrees on this point. No, I'm kidding. The jaw, the tongue, the lips. So we need these parts then to speak. And we begin to speak in a heavenly language, not just a sentence, not just a few words, but a language. And then it begins to, that language edifies us. What does it edify about me? It doesn't edify my mind, does it? It says it doesn't. If it's not edifying my mind, and my mind informs my emotions, it's edifying my spirit. It's edifying my spirit. We are all completely okay with edifying our flesh. Every time you eat when you're hungry or you sleep or you watch TV, you're edifying, you're lifting up your flesh saying, this will be good for my flesh. As Christians, we're really good at saying, I want to edify my mind and I'll study and listen to people and I'll edify my mind. I'll build it up in right ways. But few of us think about edifying our spirit. And how do we connect with the Father? Spirit to spirit. Deep calls unto deep. As a deer panteth for water, it's not just, it's not just my, my, my mind. It's something deep within me that wants to connect with heaven. And, and I think what we've been exploring is this idea that it, speaking in tongues is a language that helps with that connection. There are things that each of you need in your life. There's things that all of us need in our life that we can't comprehend what the answer looks like. We can't comprehend how to receive it. So we have to ask for it and talk about it in a way that our mind doesn't keep convincing us that we can't have it, that we don't deserve it. So this is what it can look like. You read a scripture, your mind is edified, you're like, right. I'm a child of God. And you, you, you declare it, and you chant it, you study it, but you still then, you're contradicting yourself all the time. Well, I'm a child of God, but I've been bad. So maybe, I'm, maybe he's unhappy with me. And then I went and did this thing. Jesus sat outside and cried for me. But it says that he actually goes with you wherever you go, even into your sin. And even when sin is being done to you, he's not disappeared for the moment. So what happens is, is there's an, there's a, there's a, incomprehensible, a thing that we can't understand. We don't have an ability to understand it until we've experienced it in a spirit-to-spirit realm, all right? Now, there's, there's, a, there, there's different things in our life that we know that is true. If you've never been in 10-degree weather, 
I can tell you all about it. Intellectually, you know what it looks like and what it feels like. But when you walk out or you drive into, you fly from here, you fly to Denver, and you go from Denver, you go Highway 70, you drive up into the mountain passes, and you're going from, from you know, 50 feet in elevation to 9,000 feet in elevation, and it is freezing cold, and your windshield wiper is frozen because, and, and all the, it, there, there's a thing that you experience, and until you experience it, you can't fully comprehend it, can you? Because your brain, your experience, and your thoughts, what you've experienced, all contradict that it's, a, that it's even possible that you can spit and have it frozen before it gets out, of, hits the ground. It's incomprehensible. We know it's true. And that's not at, that's not at 10 degrees, I don't think. But that, and that's the same thing in the spiritual realm. We should be experiencing a lot more of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost than we actually are. Because we're, we're like le- leaving it at this level of intellectual stuff. I know something about him. We think good doctrine is I know the right things about him. But good doctrine is I know the things about him that are making me experiencing him more. Not that are making me experiencing him less. Or the doctrine that says I need to be safe and comfortable and only experience things that I like. I mean, think about that when you get married or you have kids. We know about marriage, right? We know about, we saw our parents be married. We saw our friends' parents be married. We saw aunts and uncles be married. But then we still choose to be married. And out of that experience, but we realize, but, but if something made us uncomfortable in marriage or at our job or with raising kids, we would all jet out way earlier, wouldn't we? But we're willing to endure some contradiction in life that makes us uncomfortable for the beauty of the relationship. And if I'm to be in relationship with him now, not later, in this body, there's some uncomfortable things that my mind can't comprehend. That I must always want to be in his presence in time of trouble because only then will I get what's incomprehensible for me to get. We talked about the peace that passes all understanding. How do you get the peace that passes all understanding if you have to understand it first? Well, you don't have to understand it first. You experience it first in your spirit. Then your mind is go, whoa, that's what that feels like. Now I know. That's how you get joy unspeakable. You don't, you speak about, you know, you were happy, you did this, this was fun. But then something happens, you get a download spirit to spirit, and then your, your mind, it has to bypass your mind because you're having tragedy in your life. You can't, you have no reason to be joyful, but then you experiencing something that's happening in heaven, you become joyful. Your mind's a little confused. It almost feels awkward and embarrassing to be at peace when the whole world around you is in turmoil. But what happens then your body and your mind come into agreement with your spirit. Most of us are working on getting our spirit to agree with our mind and our body. The world's a horrible place, says our mind. Just look in scripture to find out where the world's horrible. So we miss all the beautiful human stuff in there. We miss all the beauty of God's people. We miss all the beauty of technology. And we miss all the beauty of right now because we're wanting the the word of God, the spirit to agree with us instead of us agreeing first with him. And then it recalculates our whole experience here on earth. Think about those ladies and those dudes, man, that got burnt at the stake. 
And they're there, and they're not defending themselves, and they're tied up, and they're in a pile of really dry wood. And people have come to see them, and all they have to do is deny Christ. And they won't be thrown into the, into, into the gladiator pit. They won't be burnt at the stake. And we're not talking just a 1,000 or 2,000 years ago. We're talking four and 500 years ago, right around Protestant Reformation time. Think about those people. They have zero fear about being burnt alive. They not only have zero fear, they have, they're, emo, they're not anxious. They're not worried. They're not confessing to something just to get out of something. And they are continue to sing. They continue to sing as they're being burnt to death because they're literally, they're literally being led by the Spirit of God with their spirit, and then their mind and their emotions and their flesh is following that. So they're so enamored with heaven that right now doesn't matter. Isn't that amazing? I'm getting goosebumps. They're maybe not big enough for goosebumps. Why are they goosebumps and not duck bumps? Is there a farmer in here that could tell me? I mean, we've always wondered that stuff. But when we, when we try to shove Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where God is theologically this, this is how I relate to him. Jesus is a great teacher, and I relate to him. Holy Spirit is there, but he's kind of like magical, and we don't really know him, and he's doing something. What we do is we then offer that to the world and say, hey, get out of your box of rebellion and sin and get into this box of religion. And it's, it's just a different form of captivity. But I'm, I'm, and you, I am, and you are children of God, and it means something. I've been saved, and it means something. I've been spirit-filled, and it means something. I have gifts, and it means something. I'm supposed to be fruiting all over the place. And if, if there's not fruit in my life, if I'm not walking in, in the gift of administration or the gift of healing or the gift of prophetic or the gift of financial giving or the gift of this, then I am missing out on partaking in my destiny. So I don't have to go, what am I supposed to be or what am I supposed to do? Just start producing fruit. Just embed yourself. There's a spirit-to-spirit thing that takes on. And I think we've missed the language of the kingdom and the language of the spirit of God. And so we're going to be, this is uh, 1 Corinthians 14. I do want to uh, start with a definition of spiritual gifts. Just a clever little thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to continue on with the prophetic and, and some of these other things into October. But we're still going to call it tongue-tied. I'm just going to extend it because I've, I've gotten a lot out of this. Uh, oh, and by the way, when I had you all text something, I think there was like maybe like 11 of you texted me something. And I said, God, what do I do with this? He's like, nothing. It's practicing your gift. There's no, there's no grade given. There's, there doesn't need to be any conversation about us releasing our gift. Walking in, praying for people this morning, walking in going, God, I'm going to go to the journey today. Tell me who's going to be there and what I should say to them. And if they're not there, I'll text them and have a word for them. I got a really cool word. I was driving down 99. There's somebody's exit. I, I, I think I started, I'm not even sure how I got there. I started praying for their son, who I don't know is like eight or nine. And then I started praying for them. And the Lord's like, I want you to record this. I recorded four minutes of a weird prayer. For me, it felt weird because it very specific, like awkward of how they should talk to themselves and bless themselves. 
what they should declare over themselves. Then, this is kind of a long story, I'm sure. Then I got a text. The whole, and I got afraid to send that voicemail until I like, I like did some warfare. I did some stuff. And then I sent that text like two days later. They immediately texted me back. They said, that is exactly what I felt the Spirit of God tell me to pray over myself during church. And it felt really awkward. <laughs> I don't mean, they don't go to this church or anything like that. But the thing is, is that we have gifts. And the gifts are like not like settled for the journey. They're, 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 they're settled for our, they're on our journey. They're for you to grow up in those gifts and to mature in those gifts. How many of you would like to have the same job at the same pay you got when you got your first job? Mine was $5 and $5, I was going to say an hour, for three hours of work on a farm with an old lady. Then I got 50 cents an hour with my dad for like scraping windows. And then I was up to $3 an hour when I was 16. And that was, that was like hard labor. I mean, tool belt, hammering, wood, roof trusses, stuff like that. Doing everything my dad and my uncle didn't want to do. But think about that. Who would want to stay there? But in our spiritual gifts, we stay there. We stay there. Not well trained. Not experts in our gift. Find out what in the world your gift is and hone it and get good at it. If it's encouragement, be the best encourager around. Whatever it is, if it's in financial giving and you don't have anything, then ask God, why don't I have anything? What's on me? It's not on him. What do I do? What's my part in me growing up? I met with a pastor friend. He said he was like five foot four inches going into 10th grade. Now, I know his brother's probably about five, five right now. Now this guy's like six, one. But he said in two and a half years, he trot all the way up. But how would you like to be like when you're like in fourth or fifth grade that you don't learn any more after fourth or fifth grade and you go through life and, and you grow up and you have kids and you have and you all the time you're seeing the world as a fourth or fifth grade mentality. We do that in the kingdom. We do that with the gifts. We see the prophetic. We have the prophetic. What we've been told, we've, and we believe, and that we have the gift of prophecy, the gift of discernment. But we never grow up in it. We never learn it. There's a kingdom work, a kingdom thing that everyone in here is supposed to be involved in. Victoria and Judah included, from the youngest to the oldest, from the smartest to the dumbest, from the richest to the poorest in here. We are called to be conduits of a kingdom thing and the language of heaven is is i've said is tongues but it's spiritual gifts the language of heaven is manifested in a word of wisdom in a word of tongue i mean in a word of knowledge in the prophetic word the language of heaven is experienced through financial giving it's experienced through us helping a neighbor it's experienced through us being unafraid while everybody around us is afraid so here's our definition. It's, it's an it's a acrostic on G-I-F-T-S, okay? The G is God's, G-O-D, apostrophe S. The I is invitation to His. God's invitation to His. Friends is the F, so it's God's invitation to His friends that He... It's God's invitation to friends. The T is trust with thee. God's invitation to his friends that he trusts with the supernatural. Spiritual gifts are God's invitation 
to his friends that he trusts with the supernatural. You are the children. You are the friends of God. You have gifts. You've been invited into the supernatural. You don't have to live your life as boring. You don't have to live your life as fighting against just life. You fight for something that you have rightfully that is yours. So spiritual gifts, man, I just want to encourage you to be using them and on yourself, in your home. Pray about how it works while you're driving. Pray over your community. If, you, if, you're, if you're prophetic, if you speak in tongues, prophesy and speak around your community. When we moved into our new place, I walk around that little lake. It's got all the herons there and the ducks come in at certain seasons. And Monday, I usually go out there after Victoria gets on the bus, but she leaves like... She has a 6 o'clock volleyball practice, so I don't want to go out in the dark. But I go out there this Monday a week ago. I was praying, blessing the community. And I bless specifically the north, the south, the east, and the west. I bless over to Telgi, to the 99, to 249, to Spring Cypress, which covers my old neighborhood. And it cuts, So I, I bless that area. I call in God's spirit, presence. I ask him to reveal all sin, all abuse going on. All children that are being hurt, I ask them to expose that and bring healing to that. That every kid would go to bed with. I mean, I just go through it. Just it's always different. And um, and I even I'll, I'll start I'll start I'll speak in tongues and I'll just keep I'll, it's tongues in English tongues tongues in English. So I did that this last Monday. Driving down, I'm like one minute out of my subdivision. The Lord's like, I want you to call that guy. On Facebook that you know that got his trailer stolen. And I want you to offer him a loan with no interest. What's that? I don't even have his phone number. Come on. That's ridiculous. But I know it's not ridiculous. I know that even if I'm wrong and I I step forward in the right way, that it becomes right. Because without love, my gift is nothing. But with love, my gift that's not even the perfect thing, which never is, becomes redemptive. It becomes something good. I text the guy. I've got his number off of Yelp. I text him. I'm like, hey, can I call you at like 9.15 or 10? I can't remember. He's like, absolutely. I call him. That's our gifts. We We do that. We do that. We, we don't ask the church to do it. We don't ask the church ministries to do it. We don't ask a, a, a community thing to do it. We do that. Now, all of us can't provide for everyone, but all of us can provide for the one. And we should all be at every station that we're at. We should be looking for the one to not give our spiritual gift alone. To, alone. We give ourselves. We give our energy and, we, you know, if, yes, you have to be careful. Yes, you take care of yourself. You take care of your family first. You don't give to make yourself then become in need. All of those things, yes, but passionately pursue spiritual gifts and give them out. So God's invitation to his friends that he trusts with the supernatural. It's an act of friendship and partnership that God does that for you. Because we believe in a God that can actually speak to everybody on his own without our voice, right? We believe in a God that could... That knows numbers, right? He knows all the computer, the zero, one, all the computer. He could fill all of our bank accounts with, with all the money he wants, right? We believe all that. He doesn't do it. He's waiting for us to do it. He's waiting for us to feed the hungry. He's waiting for us to cast out demons. He could just go and cast them out. He could send another, a second super Jesus. He could send Jesus back, but he did send Jesus back through us. It's us. 
We do it. We do. At every point that we are, we don't have to have anything together. I don't have to have my finances together in order to minister my gift over here. I don't have to have my moral life completely together either. I have to be on the journey and trusting Him and wanting Him to move. And I don't judge myself for why He won't move through me. I just keep believing that He'll move through me. Because people that start getting their life together like most of us do... What happens? We're not around the people who need Jesus a lot. Who's around the people that need Jesus a lot? The people that just got saved that are still doing things that are damaging them. But we don't tell them, don't damage yourself. We say, get turned on to Jesus. And then where you're at, blow things up. All right. I'm getting all worked up here. So I want to talk specifically... About this connection to the spirit, to the soul, to the body. I've got some scriptures I'm going to use. I'm not going to reread 1 Corinthians 14 today, but you guys know that. But I want to, I want to end here about the, the difficulty. I'm, I'm not ending, by the way. Don't think, wow, that was super fast. I'm, I'm still got like 12 more minutes I'm going to speak on. But I, I'm going to, I, I want, this is, this is the main thing. I want you to keep thinking both and and. Both and and. Should I be a good steward of of my money or should I believe in the favor of God? It's both and it's and. I think if you're not a good steward with your money, even if you have the favor, you're going to lose the favor pretty quick. There's a process that goes on. I think that if if you're eating really bad and you're not getting good sleep and you're not doing what you know you should do, I think you still pray for healing, but you get the both. It's the both, right? It's the both. It's my marriage is this way, and we talk to God about it, but we're unwilling to do anything. We're partners. It's the both and the and. So is it speaking in tongues or is it speaking in English? It's both. It's both. It's both. And sometimes they're boom, right, right along each other. And I'm going to I'm going to end with that part. So. <clears throat> In, in Matthew 22, 36, 37, and part of 38, this is when they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, which commandment is the greatest in the law? Jesus declared, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There's a completeness. There's a completeness that we're supposed to love God with. And this is the thing, my friends. It's not a burden to love someone with completeness. How horrible would I be if with Victoria, I only loved her with physical things and I gave her no, none of my language, none of my emotions, none of my thoughts. That, that would be like wicked, wouldn't it? But the thing is, I am created to provide for my children in this bigger way. You were created To love God in a wholeness. Now this body, soul, and mind. I want you to go through. I'm I'm sorry. With the heart, soul, and mind. It's the heart is the feeling from the middle of the center of who you are. It's a fullness in itself. And you know in scripture it says. I have the scripture somewhere down here. Oh, it's Proverbs 23, 7. Think about this. You think with this, right? Most of us think with this. With our brain. With our mind. All right. We use this muscle. We think with this mind. All right, but what the scripture says in Proverbs twenty three seven is as a man thinketh in his heart, 
There's more than one place we think there's a center part that we're supposed to love God from. It's a deep part. It's a part we often like to stuff down because we're afraid that it might speak. We're afraid that it might think. You know, and people in all their poverty and lack and their abuse sometimes, they're still what? They're still hoping. They're thinking life is going to be good. It usually happens when somebody comes from another country. You know, you you remember those, it was the Sudanese children that that got marched and they were child soldiers from like 10 and 12 up until like 18. And they like, and then the war ended, then they all like had to flee, but they had 10 years of killing people. And then, but some of them came here and just like totally made it because they always had this in their heart, deep. They had no experience that life was going to be good, but there's something in them. Their heart was thinking there's something there. And with our soul, it's both, it's like our psyche. It's like our mental makeup, mental emotional makeup of who we are. And the thing is, it's a combination of things. And it's both like real fuzzy and real clear that it's who we are. So heart, soul, and mind is by a deep thought. It's different than, it's different than your psyche. It's a deep thought. It's deep thinking about him as the way to worship God. Deep thinking about him. But if my thinking can only go so deep without an understanding of heaven, I'll always think my way away from God. That's how guys can have a ministry gift and totally 20 years away be somewhere else. They received a gift. They operated it. They worked in it. They led people to Jesus. But then their mind was never transformed. Their mind was never renewed and transformed to experience something more and deeper. That's why that inner healing that's why connection with other brothers and sisters in Christ is so important. And the way, you know, the exercising of your thoughts is crucial. In this loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, it's yours. It's not together corporately we worship that way. You worship that way. You make a choice to worship when we gather here in this, in this realm. And we can include body also when we speak. But you make a decision. I'm going to worship in my home. I'm going to worship in my car. I'm going to think deeply. And the Lord, once we start thinking about him and we, and we, and we consider the Holy Spirit's there, things start shifting. We get a new paradigm. But, you know, last week I talked about that rut, that neural pathway that we fall in here. And when, we, when you drop into that wrong neural pathway, that rut, that grave that's kicked out in both ends, every time you read scripture about God loves you, it says, no, he loves everybody but you. He would love you if you did these 8,467 things. But you can't do them. You tried. Or get busy and get exhausted and try. There's that rut that, we're, that we talk to ourselves from when we read scripture. That's why we need this incomprehensible experience that drops spirit to spirit. And it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And again, that's the completeness of you. How do you love him in the completeness of you if you're only pulling from experiences here on earth? If you're only pulling from good teaching, you'll always go wrong. You'll never go to where you're supposed to go. We pull from a different, a different preacher. We pull from a different cadence or a different rhythm. You know, in Psalms, had the rhythm of heaven, that consistent heartbeat from heaven that we are to pull down from. We should experience that, you know. And it's, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm hard-headed. Maybe not as hard-headed as Francisco. 
But some, you know, people say, oh, Jesus came to me and he was so sweet. Jesus has to not only slap me, I feel like he has to punch me with a word. I mean, I tell, I tell people that I go get help from, I'm like, look, I don't need you to, to, like, to like pat me. It's like when I get a massage, I need somebody to go in there. And when I grunt and grunt, I need somebody to like work it. And God knows that about me. There's a still gentle voice. But sometimes to, to get beyond my thoughts... I need to be disrupted because there's what that the law there's there's a law is it the law of inertia that when you you know you we learned this in high school you roll a bowling ball and it's going to continue on forever without friction unless there's something that hits it with an equal but opposite force that hits it and the Holy Spirit is that thing that gets us out of inertia it gets us out of inertia we are just going the way we're going and and you know what that some of that rut. You look back and go, oh, last year is just the same as this year, and I'm another year older. Another 10 years have gone by. This is the thing. This is the challenge. Are you living a new year every year, or are you living the same year over and over and over and over and over again? Ask yourself. I tell you what. Watch TV. Get on Facebook. Play games. Only study the Bible to know something intellectually. You will live, you will live this year over and over and over again. We are called. We are new creations. Learning a new language, learning to live this life well in these physical bodies with my mental makeup and my emotional state of who I am to live that out. How exciting is that? I'm created to do that. It's not like I'm trying to do it. Anything I do other than operating out of Jesus and the love of Jesus is me not working in my right design. Anything other than me not growing up and maturing in my gifts and in my words and my personality is me not living out who I was to be. All right? That apple tree. You plant an apple seed, what do you expect to get from it? Apples. Do you expect to get anything else besides apples? Apples. That apple seed, when it hits the ground and it's dead and it's buried and it's dark, is that apple seed going, man... I hope I'm a peach tree. Man, I hope I'm a truck. Man, I hope I'm... But we do, we do that all the time. We're, we're made in... We have a seed in us. There's fruit. We just naturally... When we're connected to heaven, we're connected to language, the culture, the cadence, the... Uh, the um, the uh, uh, It's not the content. And the context of heaven. So when we read scripture, we're not reading it. Oh, yeah, I can use this to judge myself. I can use this, this to judge someone. I can use this to stop doing this. No, it's in the context of relationship to a father that I then get to express what I just learned from him. All right, so let's go down. I'm going to use 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, may God himself, the God, this is out of the message, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, that's our sanctification. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. May he put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he'll do it. So we declare in Jesus' name, it is done. I am full spirit, soul, and body. Even though we know my soul is being worked on, my spirit is no longer being worked on. I'm completely new. If I die today, I, I, I experienced my newness of the fullness of my spirit without the construct of my mental, emotional, and physical frailty. 
And it's brilliant. Or if I die when I'm 101, which I plan to die 2000, 1963, June 18th. Just if you guys want to put that on your calendar, I'll be 101 years and one day old. So, if you guys, I mean, got to have high expectations, right? If you guys didn't, you've done that workshop, right, where you have to put your gravestone in the date of your death and what people say about you and... You should. It will, like, make you feel really, really bad for a little bit, but then it will make you feel really, okay, yeah, that's, that, I'm, I want to work towards some of that. I want to live out of that identity. Um, so in this first, Thess- first Thessalonians, notice it's like he's putting us together, spirit, soul, and body, not body, soul, and spirit. Concentrate more on the spirit of God within you. Less on what you think, less on what your body's doing. Concentrate on your spirit. Don't, I mean, most of us are totally okay with like this body thing is just don't cuss, don't swear, hold your tongue, all of these things. But, but we, we struggle with don't worry, don't curse yourself in your thoughts. But we really struggle with Declare in your spirit, let your spirit rebuke your mind, let your spirit rebuke your flesh, let your spirit hear what the heaven spirit is saying and repeat that. We always start spirit, soul, then body. We don't start body, soul, and spirit. It's not get saved, quit doing some things, start thinking right, and then you get more of the spirit. All right? It is you get all of the spirit, and then all of the spirit as you concentrate on it, manifesting your thoughts, manifesting your emotions, manifesting your, your actions in your body. It's totally opposite. So my, my challenge is, is focus on the spirit. Any problem you have in your life, focus on what the Holy Spirit is saying. And if he's saying something about bad, evil, wicked people around you, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the devil. Or that's your rut speaking. Because God's not concerned about the bad, evil, wicked people around you because they can do you no harm. Because you're in his hands and no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. In fact, the weapon that you're praying to get away from you is the very weapon he's using to form you to be the beautiful, created piece of artwork that you are. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like, it's like work, concentrate on the spirit, the spirit. If it's financial, if it's physical, if it's relational, if it's mental, concentrate more on the spirit and the spirit will begin to shift us out. So, so I'm going to give you two more scriptures before. And so John 4, 24, God is spirit and his worship, worshipers must worship him in the spirit, not our spirit, but his spirit and in truth. And then Hebrews eleven sixteen, God rewards those who diligently seek him. We, our job is to diligently seek him. That's what Herman does. Like, like to an annoying end sometimes. Right? Right, Barbara? Come on. It's like, but it's inspiring. That's what you do. You like, oh, no, I, this, I'm going to like keep going after this. I'm going to, I mean, we be, we're willing to beat our head against a job that we don't like because it pays us. But we won't beat our head against find the door to the kingdom of heaven for very long because we don't think it pays us. But it, it's the biggest payoff at all. Be consistent, persistent, stubborn, be ridiculous, be embarrassingly pursuing the spirit and the kingdom and God. And there's a reward that comes out of that, a reward that's unimaginable that you can't even comprehend. But it doesn't show up in heaven alone. It shows up here on earth. And we've got to walk in that belief. All right. So to conclude. 
You can throw in also Romans 8, 26 and 27 about the spirit groans through us and intercedes with us. And um, the whole thing is there's a there's a wholeness. There's a wholeness. You don't have to tie every thread together in your life. I mean, I get a lot of people over the last 30 years of ministry that like they come in, they give me all these pictures of why they're experiencing this one thing. And what it is, it's all shadows and it's all covering and it's, it's, it's all this, it's all this blindedness and deafness. And it's this one thing right here. They're not seeking the kingdom of God. And that can look like being disobedient, like you heard what you're supposed to do. That can look like no repentance. That can look like laziness and pride. It can look like different things, but it comes down to seek the kingdom rule in you. And we, we, we seek the kingdom rule in the world. We say, we're going to vote in good people. We're going to do good. We need this. You need it right here. You need the right president of your heart and your life, the king of your life. All right, you just go ahead and stand up. I went nowhere I thought I was going to go, but I want to say what the Apostle Paul said. I hope you all speak in tongues, but more, I hope you prophesy. And to like want that in your life. And if, there, if there's a few that are in here that don't want to prophesy, then know that that, that you don't want that is not an acceptable reason not to want to prophesy. Well, God, I know you're saying, but I don't feel like it. Well, that, oh. That gives you an excuse. You know what Victoria says? I don't feel like doing my chores. Nobody cares. God's saying the same thing to us. That like this coming from a wrong place. I don't feel like it. I don't think I'm good enough. God doesn't care what you think about yourself. He cares that you're thinking what he's thinking about himself, about you. And it's always good. All right. So it's just bow, bow your head. Just put place. You don't have to cross hands around the church. Just place hands on someone. I just want you to envision what it would look like for you to be full of spiritual gifts when talking to this person. That you're hearing. You're hearing from heaven. You're not hearing the person's story. You're not hearing their heartache. You're not hearing what they think about themselves alone. You're hearing in, from heaven what the gift is for them. Well, how beautiful would that be that if it was husband and wife or parent to child or child to parent or friend to friend or you to an enemy... Oh, wouldn't that be beautiful just to have that, 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 that eyesight, that hearing, that heart that's connected to heaven, and that is all available to us. So on our imagination, instead of imagining I'm going to mess up with my gifts or all of those things, let's use our imagination. This is going to be brilliant. I can't wait to operate this week in a spiritual gift. So, Father God, we just say that we want to be a people passionately pursuing spiritual gifts, not for a Sunday morning service, not for just something in our home, but yes, in our home. Not something to benefit us alone, but we do want to be edified, but to benefit and bless those around us, to build up, to strengthen, to, 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 to see darkness leave when we show up in a room, to see darkness leave when we show up in a conversation, to see healing take place accidentally just because we're full of the anointing and the favor of God. That we walk in that way. We don't determine by our weakness who you are. 
We determine by who you are as to who we are and how strong we are, even if we're weak. Our weakness is irrelevant. So we just thank you for that. And we want to walk in maturity, individually mature. But then when we're connected in this body, that we each know that we can bring something. That we each know that every time we gather, that we're thinking, who am I going to give to today? What am I going to give today in Jesus' name? In Jesus' name. And we thank you for that, for words and attention and touch and gifts and help and and I've just I just saw the meals just things we're going to be able to give in Jesus name that we think about that we pray about this this time together and every time together and we're we're, we're just communicating spirit to spirit and we're allowing it to manifest in a physical form all around us in Jesus name everybody said amen, amen. god bless you